Love Talk Radio. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts. Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. Happy Friday to all of you out there. It is a Great Iron Stud Show. I'm Chad Wilson. That is Amo Calamino. Somewhere on there. I'm here. Say hello to the I'm folks. I'm just listening to you, man. You're in charge of this show. We roll into this show. You're the guy that's taking us there. Don't let anyone know that. Nevertheless, we are here with you for the next hour. We're going to get you ready for, uh, according to our Tuesday guest, Warren Sapp, the best weekend in NFL football, which is the divisional round. Didn't really quite understand why that would be it. I thought it'd be championship weekend, but we'll ride with him on that. We are, we'll be talking about Well, you know, next weekend when we talk to him, the best round in the playoffs is going to be that weekend. I think Warren just loves football, right? I mean, that's his deal. Yeah, uh, as we all do, including our listeners, you folks out there. So we'll get you ready for the NFL playoffs as we'll preview the four matchups that we have going this weekend. We'll also talk about some off-the-field NFL stuff, teams wanting to move around, trying to pack their bags and get moving to another city. We'll talk about that. NFL coaches, there have been some hirings, um, some head scratchers for me, a little bit of SMH for me on uh, some of these hires, and we'll talk about that. We'll also talk a little college football here on the Gridiron Stud Show today because it is Football Friday, and uh, happy to still have football because it's January, but we're coming close to an end here, Amol. I can feel the depression getting ready to come in for some people. Yeah, well, you got something. At least, at least when you go outside and you're half depressed, you can look at a palm tree and sun. How'd you like to be me, buddy? I go outside well, for the next month. Well, we all and a half make choices look. in life, and if you choose to live in the Northeast, in Pennsylvania, to be exact, I think you kind of get what you deserve. They pay well up there, so I'm assuming that's why you're still in the Northeast. Yeah, they do pay okay up there, right? Can't argue yeah, with that's that. That's where the money is, folks. Um, trust me, when Amel has uh, put enough away in the safe, I'm sure he'll be looking to buy land somewhere down here in good old South Florida. He doesn't know that <laughs> Thank yet. You. Yeah. yeah, we'll see about that. You need a lot of yeah. need a lot of money in that safe to move to uh, to move where I want to move out west. You know that. You used to live out there. No, well, you know, I think by then, California is going to be out in the Pacific, right? Wasn't California supposed to break off into the Pacific from uh, earthquakes? Wasn't that supposed to happen? Man, that's been that's been happening since you and I were like ten. <laughs> They've been telling yeah. us California is going to be underwater. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm still waiting. Think of all the impending doom that people have tried to cast on uh, various parts of the United States, and it just hasn't happened. Um, a lot of fear mongering going on out there. Speaking of that, that's 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 uh, your party, the Republican Party. There was a debate last night. Were you able to watch it, Amo? Were you able to tune uh, in? I started off. Strong, you know. I figure, well, you know, if nothing else, I'm going to be entertained because I figured there'd be some bomb throwing in a proverbial sense. Uh, it started off. I, I lasted. I, I felt the eyes getting heavy. My wife's looking at me. She goes, "Are you falling asleep?" Next thing I know, it's one o'clock in the morning. 
Okay, the TV's on. You know, I have Direct TV, so it tells you your TV's been inactive for four hours. Would you like to shut it off? Because you know you didn't move the channel or the volume. So, I right. mean, that's what happened to me. About nine thirty, nine forty, I just cut out of there, and next thing I know, it's one a.m. I mean, I can't listen to people be ridiculous. Uh, you know, I, I've got two guys arguing if one guy can be president because he was born somewhere else, and I'm like, oh God, please. There's seven people. Yeah, in it's always good when we that's not a on debate issues that really mean a whole lot. To uh, the the uh, country, isn't that great? Well, and there's seven people up there. Come on, man. I mean, I know this isn't a political show, but seven people. I mean, you got you got at cut some that point you got to start tearing this down, don't you think? Time to start kicking yeah. people off the stage. Well, you you know, you and I would kick people off the stage. We'd say you're not worthy. You're out. Four people. That's the max for me. After four, it gets a little heavy. You know what I'm saying? Well, without launching into a full CNN political show here, what four guys would you keep? Well, I'd probably tick some people off at this point, but, you know, as much as, and you know that I personally like the good doctor, but I like him as a doctor, I would kick him off. Uh, Frankly, for me, he'd be boring for some people. The governor of Ohio actually has substance. I would keep him. I would keep Trump because I can't kick off the the front runner. And plus, he does entertain people. Uh, You know, I'd probably keep, I'd keep Cruz and Rubio and that'd be that. And, you know, on we'd go. I, I know I'm ticking some people off that might like Chris Christie. Uh, he's a little bit too bombastic, as far as I'm concerned, you know, to be a, a president. Uh, not that Trump isn't, but again, Trump's the leader, so I can't kick the leader off. <laughs> yeah, and do we really need two bombastics? Can't have two bombastics. Over. No, you know, I mean, well, you know, you know what I always say. It's a joke, and I mean this for either party. It mainly, you know, politics is just show business for the ugly. That's all it is. Okay, well, we'll keep that in mind. Let's talk about this. <laughs> Your favorite coach and mine, Chip Kelly, who I was uh, fairly certain was going to head back to college football, though he did say upon his departure from Philadelphia that he would like to remain in the NFL. I thought he was just saying that. He wasn't joking. He is going to be the new coach of the San Francisco 49ers. $6 million a year, Emil. $6 million a year for him to go over there and destroy another franchise. How do you feel about the hire? Despite what well, he's not going to get personnel control there, as far as I know, because the guy there is the guy who ran Jim Harbaugh. And if you can run Jim Harbaugh to town, you're not giving up uh, personnel control. Where I just think, I think a lot of people are buying into this whole, well, Chip Kelly, the coach, never failed. Chip Kelly, the GM, failed. And to some degree, I guess you can make an argument for that, and that when the Eagles went in the toilet is when he started picking the players. But where where I go back to, and I'll stay with my principles, I just, and I've said this consistently, and you have too, I don't see that system working in the NFL. And more and the more and more I think NFL coordinators get to see it, the worse I think it becomes. So, I mean, I just don't see that working. I don't think his offense fits with his defense. Um, he's left his defense on the field so for a long time. So unless he's going to go out there and change everything he does, and if he does that, he's no longer Chip Kelly. He's just another NFL coach. I don't see why you hire the guy. My sentiments exactly, and I have indeed. Apparently it's not just on your timeline. It's also on mine, the folks saying, oh, yes, it's he's a great coach. He just was not a good GM. All right. Let me just break this down for you really quickly. Here's here's what the deal was. First of all, his offense is really the success of it at the level that he needs it to be really is predicated on that quarterback being able to run with the football. When he first got into this league, it was not something that was normal to have happen. Quarterback 
pull the ball out of the running back's belly and take off and run with it. So it required a time for some adjustment. And when the defense is adjusted, we saw the change. It kind of coincided with all of these GM moves that he also needed to make. I don't think people really understood that part of it. Those two things kind of coincided. So it could cloud your mind on exactly what the failure was for him. Those two things collided together. And that's going to be the same deal there in San Francisco. Okay, He's going to either try and turn you know, Colin Kaepernick or Blaine Gabbert. Uh, I'm, I'm really thinking he's probably eyeballing Colin Kaepernick as his guy there. And if he is, then that's got to be a whole lot of, you know, Kaepernick running with the football. And that's, Amo, we already know that that's just not going to work. You can't be subjecting your NFL quarterback who's making millions and is the face of the franchise to that kind of punishment. And he can't be sitting there on the sidelines. He can't be on IR. And we know that's just not going to work. And for the folks... No, I mean, I, he, listen, I don't know what he thinks. I don't know why he thinks he's going to continue... He's a stubborn guy, and I guess most most people at that in those positions tend to be, you know, they believe what they believe, and and you know that's it, you know. But I just don't see if he doesn't adjust, if he just says, oh, you know what, I'm going to go do what I was doing in Philly, and, I, and I'll fix this Kaepernick guy. San Francisco fans are going to be very disappointed. I think they'll take anything over what they just had, and to that degree, I will, uh, you know, agree with them. Anything's better than the Tom Sula that they just had. But I don't see it being what it, what what they think it's going to be. If they're thinking Chip Kelly is going to take the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl or even deep into the playoffs, I think they're sorely mistaken. I think it's going to be a fight for him to get them to the playoffs. And if he is, maybe it'll happen this first year because, again, there's a little bit of a, a change there for him. But beyond that, Emil, I'm not seeing this guy with any long-term success in San Francisco. And it's not that I don't like Chip Kelly. I like Chip Kelly. I like Chip Kelly. You know where I like him, Emil? I like him in the Pac-12. Yeah, he's an interesting guy to have around. He makes the conference better. I mean, yeah, I'm like you. You know, as, as, a, as a college coach, sure, he's a very, very interesting guy. He was great to have out there, bring him back to the Pac-12, and away we go. But I just don't see him in the NFL. And again, I have no. I mean, people, a lot of listeners probably said, "Well, he's a Cowboy fan. He hated him with the Eagles." Okay, well now he's not with the Eagles. I hate him as an NFL coach. Maybe hates a strong word. I don't like him as an NFL coach. I just don't see it working. So. Yeah, uh, I know the defensive players over there must be um, in full fear. Like, hey man, we're getting ready to play two extra games per year with this guy. I hope his offense works. And, you know, for Colin Kaepernick, I was kind of looking forward to him getting somewhere and learning how to be an NFL quarterback. That's not going to happen. Now he's going to be this runaround guy uh, playing college football on an NFL franchise, and that's going to further set him back in terms of being, you know, an NFL quarterback. So, um, well, and you know, ends don't up the Niners have a high pick this year, Chad? Is. What's their What's their draft position this year? I, let me look this up as far as where they – I think they would they win five games. That has to put that. 49ers? They should be yeah, up there to in that it. top five somewhere. Are you thinking they want to get a quarterback? I'm, think, I'm thinking, he, you know, I'm not sure who that guy is, though, because I'm looking at who's coming out this year that, that's regarded, and none of them really fit what he's going to do unless he's going to change what he's going to do. I mean, Goff is a pocket passer. Uh, yeah, you don't Cook's have that guy until next year when Deshaun Watson wants to come out. I mean, if you're going to do that thing. That would be your guy to do it with. And to be quite honest with you, watching Deshaun Watson in those last two games, in those college football playoff games, though he did well, 
when he was hit, that guy went flying. It reminded me a lot of RG3 when he was taking hits in uh, when he was actually on the field playing. So, oh, no, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun can't, Watson run. He can't run in the up. NFL. No, that's not going to work. He's too he's too frail. He's not a big guy. No, no, no. He's no Cam Newton. He can't run around in the NFL. He'll get hurt. Yeah. That, and, that's not going to work. Uh, perhaps people are looking at what Russell Wilson's able to do in Seattle. Yes, he does run that zone read there. Russell Wilson is extremely nifty and smart about how he gets hit. And I don't know that every quarterback's going to be that. And Colin Kaepernick and his time with Jim Harbaugh didn't really seem like that kind of guy, too. He'd take those hits as well. Now, listen, doing running Chip's offense the way Chip ran it in Oregon, Colin Kaepernick will have some success in it. I just think it'll be short-lived. And he he's, might start suffering some serious injuries that'll make him. He'll turn into RG3. That's what I think will happen. Well, and you can't compare anybody. Russell Wilson, I dare say, is probably one of the four or five smartest quarterbacks in the league. There's, it's the only way to explain a guy who's barely six foot tall being as good as he is. I mean, he's a very smart quarterback. And as you said, you know, he picks his spots usually. I mean, you don't really see this guy take a ton of hits. And if you notice, a lot of his runs are to the boundaries where he can get out of, get out of dodge when it's time to get hit. He doesn't run that often up the middle of the field. Take note of that. Sure, he doesn't do any ego running. Um, so there's nothing really for him to prove there. I just need these yards. And, you know, listen, my biggest thing for a quarterback is this, and some people disagree with me, a decision maker. That's what I need. First and foremost, I need a decision maker there. You guys can all fall in love with a guy who can throw the ball 60 yards on a rope or from one hash over to the sideline. That's great. Uh, give me a decision maker first and foremost, and that's the number one reason to explain Russell Wilson's success in the National Football League. Not to say that he's lacking in any of the other skills, but I think above all, he's a tremendous decision maker, and that's why you're getting the success that he's getting there. Now, can you see Colin Kaepernick running Chip Kelly's offense uh, against the Seattle Seahawks twice a season? That well, I can, I can see I can see him doing it the first time at least until he gets hurt. Yeah, I you know, I don't I don't game. see him taking that kind of pounding from those Saturdays. No, I'm there. being sarcastic. I mean, no, he's not going to run that offense because he's going to take a lot of hits. Listen, by the way, you, you St. Hit. Louis has a pretty damn good defense too, and so does Arizona. So hey, that's hey. A, you know what? That's a good. Six Who's St. Louis? I don't year. know St. Louis, Chad. I don't know who St. Louis is. My Who's bad. The Los Angeles Rams, which is a great segue into the next thing that we need to talk about. Football is returning to Los Angeles, and it's no one's secret here that I was a big Los Angeles Rams fan growing up. So, I don't know. I have somewhat of mixed emotions for them returning back there. But I can tell you this, just from the people that I know in Los Angeles, uh, it's no big deal to them. They're not, you know... No one's no one's pouring out wine in the streets. It's not a big deal to them. So no, whether listen, it is, the, they are the one city the NFL doesn't know how to conquer. They won't give them money. The, listen, the, L.A. and there's a great article. I I don't know if I sent it to you yesterday. Written in the L.A. Times by I think you say his name Plasky. He's on he's on ESPN all the time. He covers the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I know Bill the, Plasky. Yeah, yeah. He said basically. People have got to understand at the end of the day, L.A. is a Dodger-Laker town, you know, and, and when I say Laker, it's when, when they're good. And, and that's and it. Same you know, thing they for like the Dodgers. you got to be winning in L.A. 
Yes, and and they're well. The thing the Dodgers have enjoyed is it's a summertime game, and they've had iconic people like Vince Scully. So they've always been a good draw. Now they've become a great draw when they're good. I mean, they'll get 3.8 million people for a season, like last year. When they're bad, they'll still get close to three million. But my point is, you've got to, that. They're they're built into the fabric of L.A. The Dodgers and the Lakers and the college teams, the USC, the UCLA. They support them. Pro football's never been a big deal. You lived out there. Sure, when the Rams were good, they did okay as far as attendance. But when the Rams, you know, they they left L.A., people forget. They've gotten to Orange. They went to Orange County, okay? And yes. people say, oh, Orange County, that's not far away from L.A. Try driving it sometimes. Maybe in miles it's not far away, but try driving it at rush hour. See how it feels. Yeah, everywhere is far in L.A. Yes. So... I don't think it's that big of a deal. I am going to brag a little. I hit the nail on the head here. Um, I told you there was no way that, that they were going to let the Raiders and Chargers do that deal from the same division because it would it would it would just make them shift too many things, and the NFL is not going to start moving the Raiders and Chargers out of the AFC West. That isn't happening. Mm-hmm. And I and I still feel that was a big issue. Um, I'm a closet Rams fan as a kid. They were always my number two team. I like the L.A. teams. they got to bring back the threads, I keep telling you. I want the old Rams uniforms. I'm sick of the Notre Dame uniforms. I would hope uh, that but, they would do that. They might win a piece of me if they pull that one off. they got to pull back my Dodger blue. You can see where I'm going here. They we used to wear the Dodger blue with the USC gold pants. You know, it was perfect for a guy like me. And, I, and right. they need to bring that back. Now, the chart, do, do people know? Let, let's go through what the option here is. The Rams are in. They're going to be playing there next year, three years in the Coliseum. Uh, I know USC had already planned to put a, about a quarter a quarter billion dollars into the Coliseum to revamp it and, and modernize it. So uh, there will be tenants there for three years, leasing from USC. 2019, their stadium opens up. It's supposed to be pretty spectacular online with something like the Cowboys Stadium. So the NFL mm-hmm. is excited that they can host Super Bowls there and all that good stuff. The Chargers – have a one-year option. I think it goes to January 16, 2017, next January, where they can become co-tenants and you know work out a deal to lease the new stadium from the Rams, and they can elect to move to L.A. Should they decline that option, the Raiders, from the minute that the Chargers notify the league, they're, they're declining. The Raiders will then get a one-year option themselves to decide if they then would want to be the second team in L.A. Um, I know there's been talk about, oh, the Raiders want to move to the San Antonio-Austin area. That isn't happening. Two of the richest owners in the league that have way more sway than Mark Davis are Jerry Jones and Bob McNair. And Robert Kraft is a big Jerry Jones fan. Those two guys are in cahoots on a lot of things, as is now Stan Kroenke, the Rams owner, who's very wealthy. The NFL teams are never going to pony up the money that, that they would have to pay the Cowboys and the, the Texans to give up that territory because they would have to pay a pound of flesh to give up the San yeah, Antonio there, territory. Yeah, isn't there a big fee to move, like uh, half half a billion dollars or something like that? Jerry got an enormous smile on his face uh, the other day because he made himself about $30 million along with the other 30 NFL owners because – they said it was it was a, some sort of sliding scale. I, I heard the fee was five hundred and fifty million to relocate, 
But for some reason, one of the articles I read said it could be as high as like $900 million. I don't know how accurate that is. I think they meant if both teams move, it'll be a billion dollars. So if L.A. gets two teams, between each team paying the $550 million relocation fee, you're talking about $1.1 billion, meaning that every owner basically pockets close to $40 million. Mm. Well, that yeah, would make me kind of uh, happy. That just... Just hearing those numbers, Emil, just lets you know how much money there is in the National Football League. Well, consider this. You're a business guy. I'm sorry for fans out there who don't enjoy this stuff, but this is kind of in my wheelhouse and Chad's. This is interesting. The Rams are worth about a billion and a half dollars when they were in St. Louis, give or take, um, depending on the estimates. As as soon as they move to L.A., the value of that franchise goes up to about two and a half to three billion dollars. And they said that means a team like the Cowboys basically is worth about five billion dollars if the Rams are worth three billion. So you want to know why everybody's smiling? Those are major numbers, man. Just think about it, and that's why you know some of these guys are not uh, so quick to relinquish their hold on those franchises. And I'm speaking to Miami Dolphin fans down here that really want to see a new owner. Listen to the valuations of these things. Um, and they just keep skyrocketing every year. So it, once you get an owner, well, if you're if you're a guy like Jerry Jones, you're smiling all the way. Think about it. The guy sitting there, he just gets a little check. When I say little, big to the rest of us, little to him, but a nice little kicker for letting the Rams move to L.A. The Rams move to L.A. The value of the Rams skyrockets because now they're in the L.A. market. And God knows if somebody's paying you two and a half, three billion for the Rams, they're paying you about five billion for the Cowboys, who are the New York Yankees of the NFL in terms of value. So. You know, I say all the time to fans, I love football, don't get me wrong, but you got to understand that on Sundays, part of this is the sport that we watch, part of it is business, and a lot of times these owners, win or lose, they always win. Whether the yeah. team wins or um, loses, they always win. They very rarely ever take an L, and matter of fact, I can't think of the last time that someone did. All right, we were talking about RG3, someone's come up with a list, it's ESPN, of possible places that he could land. I'm going to call these out, and you tell me where you would really like to see RG3, because I think you do uh, like this particular player, and so do I, and I'd like to see him have some success in the NFL. Uh, And I think sitting on the bench for the last uh, however long that's been has probably changed his mind on some things. But here's your list. Uh, Obviously, any, any quarterback that's floating around is going to be rumored and suspected and uh, be thought about going to this place, and that's Houston, who had many yes. quarterbacks but really had none. So Houston's on the list. Kansas City is on the list. Buffalo on the list. San Francisco, we talked about that. Carolina and Dallas. Oh, and this last one, Seattle. Which one of these places makes the most sense for RG3? Well... I don't think – I think the – I'm not going to go and pick a place. What I am going to say is I believe he needs to sit for a year or two because I think he's got some habits and some things he needs to learn. And, and you know, habits in that he, bad footwork and things he needs to break himself of. And you think more sitting it, for RG3? I think he's done enough. I think he needs to get well, back on sat, the football field. Well, yeah, but he sat this year by no choice of his own. And, frankly, I, I'm not sure his head – I'm not sure they were coaching the guy up. I mean, Really? I mean, you think you think the Redskins were that focused on developing RG3 this year? Who's really going to be focused 
on developing their backup quarterback. That doesn't really happen in the NFL. Well, he's 25 years old. I think you send him to a place like Dallas, they'd focus on it because they would see him as potentially a successor if they could fix him. I mean, the guy did win a Heisman Trophy, right? I mean, he's got some ability. It's not like this guy some, you know, Hey, Ty Detmer won a Heisman Trophy. I understand that, but, I mean, we, we, we can pull out those things, but you know what I'm saying. The guy, the guy's an athlete. He had ability. He played at a major college. He was very successful. He went to a program. We've talked about it on the show. Nobody developed him as an NFL quarterback. They rode with what he did for a year. People weren't ready for it. They had some success. When they caught up, the guy doesn't know how to play quarterback in the NFL. He needs to learn how to go through progressions. He needs to learn how to read a defense. He needs to fix his footwork and stop throwing off his back foot and all that good stuff. So, I mean, do could he go somewhere and play? Sure, and I think he'll be a Vince Young. I think he'll go someplace else and play, uh, you know, and then in a year or two he'll be out of football. Yeah, you don't get to hang around uh, so much in the NFL if you're this type of quarterback. So based on what you said and looking at this list that I just read off, I think what you're talking about then would probably be Kansas City. Am I Am I right or wrong on that? He could go there. I mean, you know, I mean, Alex Smith is is not going to be their quarterback for, you know, if they find somebody that they think that's a, a better quarterback, they would gladly, I think, get rid of Alex Smith. And that's tough to say when you got a guy that's on an eleven game winning streak. But I think most football fans realize they're not necessarily winning because of Alex Smith. He's part of it, but he doesn't you know, really I'm threaten not, the field. You know, field. I'm not in that camp. You like Alex Smith. He's a good decision maker. I like Alex Smith. He's you know, a decision maker, and you know I like that. And while he doesn't why you at all, you know, the 60-yard throws and all that other stuff, I think he's good for what it is they do in Kansas City. And I think people are only going to really realize his value when he's gone, and it's not happening the way that it's been happening. I thought he got a raw deal in San Francisco. I think we know that now. Uh, and in Kansas City, he is what they need at that position. Now, what's he throwing to over there? Macklin and Kelsey? I think you get you get him one or two more playmakers, and I think Alex Smith can can probably come to life even a little bit more in Kansas City. But you know, well, listen, I'm not going to sit here. And, I'm not going to sit here and tear apart Alex Smith. The guy's on an 11 game winning streak. I mean, sure, you got to be you doing know, something right. Got to be doing something right. You know, there's there's that. Put case Mark Sanchez made. on Kansas City. See what happens. Hey, we can go through history. How about the Eagle fans? They were merciless to Donovan McNabb at the end of his career. You know, oh, he's terrible. He never won anything. He looks right. pretty good now, doesn't he? Absolutely, he looks good. Um, your team is also on this list. Would you like to see RG3 as a Cowboy? Much more than I'd like Johnny Football, yeah. I would. Well, let's throw Johnny Football out of there because, you know, I understand given given those two choices, you got a clear-cut one. But, you know, just leaving RG3 by himself, would you like to see him backing up Tony Romo in Dallas? I'd like to see him I'd like to see him be part of the plan. I think if he comes in this year, I still think they're going to use a, a draft pick on a quarterback, whether that's in the second or third round. I don't think they'll use the number four pick. We could talk about that later in a draft show. Um, and I think he'll be given a chance, you know, to to show that he can, you know, be a, a backup and maybe a successor someday. Uh, I I think he can. So yes, I would like to see him. I would like to see him there. I, I listen. I like RG three. You know, when he came into the league, we were both on the train, and I'll admit it. I thought he was going to have a better pro career than Andrew Luck, and uh, you know, so far I'm wrong. 
Yeah, well, it sure started off gangbusters, uh, that's for sure, but it hasn't really gone that way. I'm going to run through these really quick. Houston, I think that's going to be too much pressure there for him in Houston. He's going to have to be the guy. It's his hometown, and I just think that's going to be a little bit overwhelming there. Kansas City's intriguing because, you know, perhaps, you know, those people in Kansas City are not going to fully appreciate Alex Smith, and he could, you know, eventually be run out of there. You know, I'd hate to see that, but... Um, that's a spot RG3 could probably get in there fairly soon. Buffalo, for some reason, just seems like a cluster over there to me. And I don't know that you're going to get developed the way that you need to under Rex Ryan. You know, it looks to me like quarterbacks turn into a train wreck under him. San Francisco, I've already expressed my feeling on that. He goes there, he'll never turn into an NFL quarterback and probably likely continue to be injured. Carolina, Cam's not going anywhere anytime soon. And, you know, Cam's built like a tank. He probably is not going to be out of the lineup very much there. We just talked about Dallas. And in Seattle, uh, Russell Wilson's not going anywhere. And he's not even a guy that gets hurt. So when would RG3 ever see the field there? So it's looking to me like like Kansas City might might be that place or Dallas, you know, because Tony Romo, as we've seen, can get hurt. And if he is... Do you want an RG3 or do you want a Kellen Moore? Who didn't do too bad, but RG3 is a little more bit more like, To me, Moore is the perfect number three quarterback for a franchise. He, uh, like a, the kind of guy where if you needed him in an emergency for a game, he's smart enough and he studies enough, a coach's son, that he could probably come in there with a good team and win a game or two for you. But I don't see him as a guy that if you lose your quarterback for six weeks, seven weeks, that you want Kellen Moore starting seven games because – his limitations over time get exposed. I mean, his arm strength is not there. He really can't threaten the outsides of the field, and teams see that, and, you know, then, then everything gets start, everything gets played in a phone booth, and it's really hard to move the football. Yeah, um, understandable on that one. Okay, um, so RG3, where is he going to land next? And I'm supposing that all these places are interested in him. Yeah, <laughs> first of all, we do need to clear that. Are these places indeed interested in him and if they are then you know Emil and I have just told you to play the places where he should land and we'll just leave it at well, that we're, we're, we'll go on record the we'll gridiron back. it's time to talk a little bit of college football before we jump into the NFL weekend that we need to get you ready for so when we come back it's college football here on the gridiron stud show you guys stay here with us Summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself, and they'll look great. That's right, with Heat Transfer Paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. 
If you dream it up and design it, the paper soul at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit gridironstuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. Gridironstuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. No surprise to anyone, Derrick Henry is going to enter the NFL draft. You and I have had some text discussions about this. My opinion, Emil, he's not a running back for every NFL team. Uh, that's that's not what I see Derrick Henry as. He's a guy that's going to need some blocking at the next level. He's not going to be able to bulldoze through NFL football players on defense the way that he might do in in college football, I think we saw some of that against Clemson. He had a little bit of trouble there. You know, you don't have those games against Southwest Louisiana or Louisiana Tech in the NFL. Every week it's go time. and uh, I, he, he, There's just not enough fast twitch there for me for him to say that he can go and play for anyone. I think he'd be a good fit on your team where they get some pretty good run blocking and they can get you through the line of scrimmage. And that's when I think he's at his most dangerous. But asking him to get out of the backfield – if there's a breakdown in a play, is not something you really ever see Derrick Henry doing. So let me clarify. What you're telling me is he'd be just fine on a team that's had three AP All Pros, first or second team, back-to-back seasons. He's no, he'll be a good running back on a team with that kind of offensive line. 
Yeah, and you, you know, I see where you're going. <laughs> so with I guess that. you're telling me we shouldn't be using the number four pick on him. Is that what you're trying to tell me? I don't know about that. I mean, you know, we don't take we don't regard running backs like that anymore in the National Football League. While we should, because the results prove that out. People are looking at what the masses of teams are doing in the NFL and trying to say that that's what needs to go on. I just tend to look at the teams that are the most successful, and uh, you know, that's. That's the route you need to go, and Seattle has been that team over the last couple of years, despite what happened to them at the end of the playoff game last year. But even on that, you can look at it and say the reason why they lost that game is they didn't turn around and hand the ball to their all-pro running back. Instead, they chose to do what everyone says they're doing in the NFL now, and that's throw the ball around, even when you're sitting there at the half-yard line. So you need running back. Let me ask you this about Henry. I got questions for you. Listen, you answer questions here. That's what you're here for with <laughs> Thank this you, kind sir. of stuff. Appreciate that. Well, yeah, you, you you know what you're talking about. I can't tell you about the questions I'm going to ask you, so I'm going to ask somebody who can tell the audience. How is his straight line speed? Uh, it, good, but again, it's it's not fast twitch. He's got to really get it going. So that's why I say he needs he needs to be on a team that is more about moving people in their running game than trying to, and, and I don't know that if I'm explaining this well, um, some offenses need a back who can dart through, you know, some kind of small crease, or uh, they rely on their running game being um, successful off of the fact that most defenses think they're going to pass. So, you know, the guys are getting out of there and they're looking to make pass drops. He's not taking a ball left. He's not taking like a ball left is what you're telling me and cutting it back and finding and finding a hole in the middle or right side of the lane. He's a one-cut runner. He needs to see daylight, yes. plant Derek his Henry, foot, and head up hill. Derrick Henry is a bigger DeMarco Murray. That's what he is. Okay. You know, DeMarco Murray is not going to – you know, you're not going to see him – on videos on social media where he made an amazing cut and made a defender fall down. No one's going to make a highlight reel of him doing that. What he will do, though, is not get too crazy and, you know, run away from the blocking scheme. He will follow the blocking scheme and get his yards and get his shoulders squared up the field and go get the yards. And he was very good at that. And though that's not exciting, it's a great thing when a guy can just follow the blocking scheme and get the yards he's supposed to get. And that's what, exactly what Derrick Henry is, which is why I think he'd do fine in Dallas. Do you use a number four and he's gonna pick? And he's going to keep an offense in front of the chains. In other words, he's not going to go and lose six yards on a run because he decides that he should cut back and run backwards. At worst, he's getting you a couple of yards. And, you know, there's, there's something to be said for that for fans. I mean, I think they forget – Second and eight is better than second and 14. And sometimes you get the running back who's always looking to hit the home run, and he takes what should be a two-yard run and turns it into a five-yard loss. And that's not always a good thing either. Right. So Derrick Henry in Green Bay, no. Derrick Henry in New Orleans, no. Derrick Henry on the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. Um, I can see that, you know. Derrick Henry. Yes, but not with, come on, you have to admit, you're not using the number four pick there. I mean, you can't use the number four pick on a on a on the type of back that you could probably easily get in the second round. Sure, just your only worry would be this is a Heisman Trophy winner from the national championship team. Some other team behind me might take him too early, and then I don't have a shot at this guy. So I, you know, I don't know. That's that's stuff that will 
doing. Yeah, we'll break that down. We'll break that down. We have the draft shows to do. Yeah. That's the deal. He's coming out. No surprise there. You just don't want to take any more punishment. I think he carried the ball 600 times in the last three games for the Alabama Crimson Tide. So it's time for him to go. Um, How about this one? UCLA tried to pull a fast one and nab Lane Kiffin and bring him back to Los Angeles as their offensive coordinator. I wonder what their offer was money-wise to this guy. I don't know. He spent enough time at USC to know he didn't want to do that. They probably didn't have. They they probably don't have enough money at UCLA. I don't think Lane Kiffin can be pulled away <laughs> as an offensive coordinator for another college football team. No. Uh, what do you think? No, that's not happening. I thought it was ridiculous on its face. I mean, you're going to ask a guy who's now enjoying success in a role at, at a team that's you know with a team that's won a national championship as uh, a few days ago to leave for the same role at a school that I'm sure he's not going to say this, but in his mind, having been a longtime USC assistant and, for, and head coach, he thinks is their little brother. That's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, and then the only way I think maybe you make that kind of offer is that you're hearing that all is not well between Saban and you know, and and Lane Kiffin, so that you know maybe you go throw something out there and see if he's willing to make a move there because he feels like that relationship might fall apart. And I've kind of heard those things. I don't know how true it is. Yeah, well, what they're not drinking together at night. I mean, how how disgusted as far as performance goes could Saban be with Kiffin when the guy showed him the other night that he's a very good offensive coordinator, a borderline probably excellent. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't just. Uh, last night, you know, I watched him in person really make some really good play. I mean, he's a good offensive coordinator. Uh, not good. He's a great offensive coordinator. Let's yeah. not sugarcoat it. Um, he's great in that role. He but is. If he's leaving, so, I, mean, I don't that, know what I think we... it's for a head coaching job. Exactly. Saban, Saban might not. I mean, who knows personally what Saban thinks or doesn't think of him as, a you know, hanging out with him. Maybe they're not buddies. But Saban's about one thing. Saban's about winning championships. And he's not changing that formula just because, he, you know, Kiffin hurts his feelings once in a while, or whatever the deal is. Yeah, so I, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what UCLA was trying to to pull there. And again, maybe they uh, thought that it was going to be, you know, that there was a little bit of a, you know, an opening there for them because of the relationship. Can we stay there for one second, by the way? Because I have something to point out that now all these job openings are coming up, and we've talked about this. You know, and some of the best skill sets that the great coaches have. They know when to leave. And sure. Jim Moore Jim Moore Junior, you know, his star was shiny, you know, probably unjustly two or three you know, two years ago or a year and a half ago. He had his three straight wins against his crosstown rival USC. And you know I've said on this show at the time, I'm like, listen, tap the brakes on Jim Mora because he should be beating USC right now because at the time they were still finishing up the sanctions. And I said, if you're not going to beat them then, when are you going to beat them? He hadn't won any other big games. He was losing to Stanford, losing to Oregon, losing to Arizona State, you know, whatever. He was 9-3 and three a couple of years, and people got all excited. Oh, boy, back-to-back nine-win seasons for UCLA. He could have probably left for the NFL then. He chose to stay. I do I think, you think that he wants to go back to the National Football League. I don't know that that's exactly what he wants to do. I think he's, um, despite not being able to get exactly where he wants to go with UCLA, I think he's enjoying coaching college football. 
Maybe he is, and maybe he realizes that the bar isn't very high at UCLA. You win nine games at UCLA, you're fine. I mean, even this year, he went eight and five. No problem. Yeah, no Jim, one's talking you know. about his job being in jeopardy. So no, no. You, just... could... you can coast there a little bit. I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, he wins nine games a couple of years. Now, next year, if he comes back and goes nine and three, he'll be a god there again. So maybe he realizes, hey, I'm living in Southern California, really, really nice school, nice campus. I make whatever he makes, $4 million bucks a year. I like this deal. Maybe he does. Sure. Yeah, I, um, I think he's happy. Um, maybe not entirely happy at UCLA, uh, but I think he likes coaching college football, and I think he's better suited for that. Hey, you know, we all – speculation is what the uh, fandom is. Social media causes a lot of speculation, so it should come as no surprise that there are early rankings for 2016 already. So allow us to indulge ourselves here, Emil, and talk about what – uh, folks have put out as early rankings for 2016. Number one is Clemson, which stands to reason. They're bringing back their all-everything guide to Sean Watson, and if you watch him in that final championship game, he was dazzling. It's a shame that he couldn't walk away with a championship to match that effort, but he is coming back, so that gives them uh, a really good inside track on being good next year, though with each passing day, another guy on that defense is declaring for the National Football League. So that doesn't really help them there. And quite frankly, Emil. Who does, you know who Clemson uh, reminds me of for next year's version? TCU. Not that TCU had a horrible season. They didn't. But they just remind me of, if you remember going into this year, all the hype was TCU. I mean, TCU was 12-1. and They brought the quarterback back. Uh, they, they had dis- destroyed, I think it was Mississippi or somebody in a bowl game. Um, were the fifth team last year. You know, if there was a fifth team in that playoff, it would have been TCU. Um, and then this year, you know, it was kind of a lackluster year in some regard. I mean, they lost some ball games. They had some injuries. I have a feeling Clemson might be next year's TCU. They might indeed be that, you know. Uh, I, and <laughs> I'm not seeing – I just don't think we're seeing back-to-back championship game appearances by any ACC team. I just don't see that. So Clemson, I think, is going to have their work cut out for them, especially if they're going to continue to lose guys on the defensive side of the mm-hmm. ball. I think they're going to have a, a hard time getting back to you know that, that final game. But nevertheless, you have to put them there because of the return right. um, of, of Deshaun Watson. So I can't, you know, I, I can't beat whoever did this for that. Alabama, what choice do you have? Four championships None. in seven years. You're not going to mess yourself up by saying they won't be a part of this thing. So, yeah, Alabama, you put them there at number two. How about number three, Oklahoma? Agree or disagree there, Abel, putting them that high? Well, Is this a whole Baker Mayfield I'm, thing? Yeah, I'm jaded a little bit because of what happened in that semifinal game, but I think on paper, sure. I mean, you know, they got the quarterback back. That You know, they'll bring in another good recruiting class, you know, top 20 class and – you know they have some talent coming back, so sure I'm okay with that to start the year. I guess you got to always consider Oklahoma. Number four is Florida State. What did Florida State do for them to get this kind of recognition right here? I'm not sure. Help me out. Well, uh, this year uh, they got waxed in a bowl game. They didn't seem to care. I mean, I don't want to take away from Houston. Houston had a good club, but I don't know how jacked Florida State was for that game. Um, I don't know what they bring back. I'll be honest. You would probably know their roster better than me. Um, you know, they're going to have some defensive to... talent coming back. They do lose Jalen Ramsey, um, who's a you know 
a big name on that defense. They do lose that. Neither one of us can be overwhelmed by anything that was going on at the quarterback position for Florida State. So I don't know. I'm that might be well, a little. I high obviously want to continue through the list. Who I feel deserves he, that. Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, is, I think Michigan. Michigan's going to be proving himself next year to be now. that coach. Yes. Yeah, they're going to be. They're going to have a good club next year. Number six is LSU, and that I think is a whole lot of um, the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy coming back in their backfield. I've seen them as high as number one in other lists. Now, first of all, I want to continue to through the list, but I'm going to tell you, I find this fun for you and I to do. I also find mm-hmm. it completely meaningless as far as people putting any stock in any of this. Um, I look at these lists, and I think that's purely based on, like you said, one player. Um, I don't yeah, know what they're going to do. it's really about who's got the best players coming back. This seems what this whole thing is based on. Because me, number seven, Ohio State, I'd transpose them with Florida State. I'd put Ohio State four, put Florida State seven. Well, based on coaching alone, I'd do that. Man, who's going to be more yeah. motivated next year than Ohio State? Now, who's going to be their quarterback next year? You would know this. Uh, JT Barrett. Is he back? You know. Back, yeah, Braxton Miller's gone, and mm-hmm. uh, Cardell Jones has said he's going to go to the NFL. So, that'd be JT Barrett. Not a bad quarterback. The running, back, the running, the running back is gone. Boss is gone. I mean, they're going to lose a lot, but, I mean, Myers is a really, well, Myers is a really good coach. I expect Urban to have something in the wings there. You would think, yeah. I'm okay. You know, I'm yeah, okay. Number like eight you said. I would flip him. Yeah, everyone's darling. People love Baylor. Um, yeah, and, go, you, know, you know what? By the way, I had some fun the other day. I pulled up Baylor's out of conference schedule next year, and I don't have it in front of me. But I was sitting there because I saw one of these lists, and I said, "I got to see who does Baylor play to start the year." Seriously, they should never be allowed in the top ten until they schedule somebody that can walk and chew gum before the year starts. Before who the do they have? Because I haven't looked at it. Um, here, if you give me a second, I'll pull it up real quick. Um, they, they, I right, mean, well, I, I mean, I that, think, I'll continue yeah. through the list. Number nine, Notre Dame. They had a pretty good season, man. Brian Kelly's doing a great job in Notre Dame. I know they have a lot of haters out there, but yeah. uh, they're doing he's doing a good job there. There's no doubt about that. Can't argue. Number ten is Tennessee. How about this? People are trying okay, to wait. Let me team. read you the Baylor schedule. Excuse me. Let me read you the Baylor schedule. Okay. Too bad we don't have. They start for you. Yes, they start with the Northwestern State. Demons, not Northwestern. <laughs> I like the way you. I like the way you read that off. State, yes, because I'm going to be honest, guys. Anybody, the audience, if anybody can call this show, and I'm without without using ESPN now, and tell me what conference they play in, I'll I'll send you something. I'll, I'll, we'll get you a T-shirt from T-shirt Supplies. We'll put something on it for you because I'm telling you right now, there's no way that people off the top of their head can tell me what conference Northwestern State is in unless they went there. Then they play SMU. This is not the SMU of Eric Dickerson and Craig James, okay? This is the SMU doormat. And then they roll into Rice Stadium to play the Owls. If it was a baseball game, I'd be excited to watch it. Two good baseball programs, Baylor and Rice. But, man, (laughs) that's a joke. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, you know. That's that's been the case in the Big Twelve. They are running around acting like the rest of the conference is the SEC, and they can get away with stuff like that. And they're going to find out that they really can't. That is uh, not a very meaty schedule, to say the least. So, 
Um, Tennessee rounds off your top 10. I'm not going to go through a full top 20 or 25 here. Just some other interesting things, though. Stanford's outside of that top 10. Houston's as high as number 12. Kudos to them for that. Uh, that TCU that you mentioned, they're 18. Your team, USC, is 19. My son's school is number 23, uh, which, yay, that's progress for them because they started off this thing last year unranked and climbed themselves up into damn near recognition for the championship game. So they're starting off at a higher point. Hopefully they can keep the momentum off of this first year with McIlwain. And then Arkansas is your uh, bottom 25. Uh, you know, how a many SEC points. teams in this? And I've, people seen, have... I've seen some lists, Chad, with LSU number one. I've seen some lists with Stanford in the top six. Now, first of all, Stanford even being ranked 12th is based on two things. One, uh, you know, McCaffrey's back. Two, right. David Shaw's a great coach. If you really look at Stanford, they're going to lose six starters on defense, three-fifths of their offensive line, and the quarterback who's their all-time wins leader at Stanford. So that's purely based on, on the, the belief in David Shaw, which is, is at this point justified, and uh, McCaffrey being a talent. As far as the rest of these polls, I think we should not have a poll for football until October 1st. I think it's unfair for teams that start outside the top 25 actually are very good. It's very hard to climb in those polls when when they start before the season. Well, I tell you what, ranking is what this society is about, so these polls aren't going to go anywhere. I can guarantee you that. We need to talk about the NFL. We need to give our picks and our breakdown of uh, these matchups that are coming up this weekend, the most exciting weekend in the NFL until next weekend. So we're going to do that right after we take this short break. Stay with us. It's the Gridiron Stud Show. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Uh. O-M-G. Look at all of this paperwork. Are you a business owner and you're buried under a mountain of paperwork? You need an MVP on your team. And that MVP is MVP Business Concierge Services. They know that sometimes paperwork can get in between you and your customers. Why not spend the time doing what it is you do best? Getting new customers 
handling the ones that you have now. And while you're doing that, you can have an MVP working for you. We know that tax season is the busiest time of the year for business owners. No more missing deadlines and getting IRS penalties for late filing. MVP Business Concierge Services will do all the hard work for you. They will streamline your payroll, streamline your finances, and have you on track. With trustworthy advisors that are very reliable, they will take the hard work away from you and get you back into what it is you're doing best. How do you get this MVP on your team? You call right now, 844-696-8722, 844-MY-MVP-CC, or send an email to info at mymvp.cc and get an MVP on your team today. segment of the Football Friday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson, Amo Calamino here with you. And it's uh, NFL time. NFL divisional round of the playoffs. We had the wild card edition last week. No uh, home teams could get wins last week, Amo. Did, uh, did, did, did people notice that? That was odd. I mean, it was, it was I don't remember the last just... time. Has that ever even happened? I'm sure it has. I mean, I'm going to guess it. I shouldn't say I'm sure. I'm going to guess it probably has, but it was an odd year. I think you need one of those years. If you really look at what happened last week, in many cases, you had a team that just out of circumstance, take the Vikings game. Now, they probably should have won the game, but they didn't. They they probably Mm -hmm. played, in generality, a stronger Seattle team. I mean, if those two teams played ten times, I would think on a neutral field, Seattle wins seven. They happen to be the home team. The Redskins won a putrid NFC East so, you know, again, they were probably the weaker team. Houston won a putrid AFC South. I mean, those two divisions being as bad as they were this year kind of set it up for the possibility. So it, it's it's odd, but it was one of those situations, I just think, where the home team, which is supposed to be the stronger team in the playoffs, was not necessarily the stronger team. Yeah. Um, and to that point, yes, at least two of those teams were doomed to lose. And those were the the two from those very, very weak divisions, AFC South and the NFC East. So you could kind of um, go ahead and pencil, you know, put in pen those losses. And then you had a, uh, a lot of this, too, also might have something to do with the rematch factor, which is what you had in Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, which was a hard Well, wait game. a second, though. You got two games that were home teams lost where you're never going to forget them probably – as a football fan for as long as you live, because they were two of the oddest endings. I mean, I'm going to remember that kicker from Minnesota hooking a 27-yard field goal the same way fans remember Romo having the snap and the rain go through his hands. I mean, you just you don't see many times in your life where a guy just duck hooks a 27-yard game winner in the playoffs. Okay, so you're going to remember that. You're certainly, as a football fan, not going to forget what happened in that Steeler-Bengal game. I mean, the Bengals almost said to the Steelers, please beat us today. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, that's going to be memorable. And so you have two very memorable games. Well, let's talk about what we got coming up this weekend. And uh, let's start well, on Saturday at 4.30. We're out in Foxborough. It's the New England Patriots. They're there every year. So 
we knew we'd have to have this discussion. I'm not uh I'm not sure which way to go on this one, Emil. Kansas City is on a eleven game win streak and uh they've they've been the hottest and you know, arguably one of the best teams or the best team over this final stretch of the NFL season, but it's New England and New England has mind control over everyone. They have mind control over the fans because people just think, you know, they can't lose. They've got mind control over visiting teams because, you know, no one knows what the hell they need to hide so the Patriots don't get it and use it against them. Yeah, well, we're going to go through and make our picks as we talk about the games, and it sounds like you don't have a pick on this game, and neither do I. I do not. I'm leaving it alone. Do you? Yeah, I am too. I want to make Kansas City a pick, okay? But here's what scares me. I see this line, which I expect it to climb. It opened at 4.5. It stayed steady. I expected to see New England money come on on that short price, and I haven't seen it. Now, what concerns me in this game is, well, I think the Chiefs are playing better football, and I think that their their pass rush should get to New England and all that good stuff. There's that fear factor, like Sap talked about, of the Patriots sat around two weeks, and you know I'm sure they're, they're saying, how can we block these guys? And Belichick's such a good coach that I'm concerned he'll figure out a way in two weeks to do that. And Kansas City comes in here, and New England hits them with a quick 10 or 14 points. And then Kansas City's forced to play a game that they're not really comfortable playing, which is playing you know, from double-digit deficits. They really don't have that type of offense. That's my concern. I mean, does my, my head tells me right now Kansas City is the better football team. But I'm still scared. I admit I'm scared to go against New England. Yeah, like I said, they have uh, people spooked. So, so is this a pick for you? You're going with the Pats? No, I'm not going with anybody. I said I want to take Kansas City. And if you're forcing my hand, I would probably take the four and a half points and bite and bite on a piece of uh, of metal as the game. I'm watching the game, being scared, but I'm not taking this game because the Patriots scare the hell out of me. Only laying four right, and a half so points. All right. So to our home. listeners out there, both of the hosts of this show are totally and completely spooked by the New England Patriots. Uh, they're worried. We're worried about a snowplow or a tuck rule um, sinking our pick. It's, or, you know, one yes. of the other myriad of things that have happened uh, when they've had playoff games in New England. All right, so sliding on to the next game, and since we have to have come up with three picks, you and I are making a pick on this game, and I kind of know where you're going on this. I'm going to go the same way. Green Bay won their game last week, and they won going away. But I can't help but think about how this game started off and how it could have ended up if it wasn't a Washington Redskins who probably looked up at some point early in this game and said, hey, what the hell are we doing in the playoffs? Oh, and what the hell are we doing winning? And it seemed from that point forward the Green Bay Packers just went loose on them. And I happen to watch the coach's copy of this game. I usually try and do that for all of the games. I only, for, you know, oddly enough, had enough time to do it with this game. And good God, Washington was bad defensively. They just were not very good defensively. So that may cloud the minds of folks out there. Green Bay, while I don't want to take anything away from the Packers, just as someone who knows something about the game, Washington was horrendous defensively. And if Green Bay thinks that's what they're going to see this week, they're in for a rude awakening. Arizona's rested up. They've been a a very, very good football team over the second half of this season. And I don't see any reason why that would discontinue here. So at home, in this game against a Packers team that might be uh, feeling themselves unnecessarily. In the back of their minds, the Packers have to be thinking about that beating that they took down 
uh, 36-6 or 38-8, to I believe it was, the last time these two teams matched up. And I think that's going to sit there and plague them in this contest. And I see Arizona continuing their dominance of Green Bay because it was only, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago that this happened. Too close. I don't see Green Bay being able to change much. Uh, and Arizona runs away with this one and gets a healthy victory. I like them as a seven-point favorite. Well, let me tell you how I think a lot of people are going to try to look at this game. They're going to look at this game and see, you know, the Green Bay Packers, one of the historic franchises in the history of the NFL, rolling off a win into Arizona, grabbing seven points in a rematch. They're going to look at the rematch factor. They're going to look at Arizona's last game against Seattle, where Seattle beat them 30-6 to in Arizona. Now, a little bit what happened that game is Seattle, Seattle was really good. Arizona was watching that scoreboard light up in Carolina, knowing they couldn't get home field. And once that got out a little bit, you know, away from them at twenty-one nothing, they started pulling guys. I mean, Drew Stanton finished the game because the game at once once Carolina locks up home field, that game becomes meaningless. Now they've had two weeks to sit around, stew over their performance, and frankly, I don't think Green Bay. If you look at that first game with Arizona, there was nothing in that game that was fluky. Arizona just beat the hell out of them. Now you could say Green Bay's ten points better this time, and let's say Arizona's ten points worse. It's still a 10-point margin of victory. Yeah, they beat them by 30 points. And it, like I said, it wasn't fluky. It wasn't they got seven turnovers. It wasn't something where you could say, well, if they could fix the turnovers, maybe they can hang in there. I just don't think they, couldn't they protect, can block. They couldn't protect their quarterback. And how That's right, and play? I don't see what what changes because, again, they were beating them man-to-man. I mean, it wasn't like every play was a jailbreak blitz. They were just – they were just whipping the guy in front of them. And, and and you're not changing that in the course of two weeks in an NFL season at this time of year. So I just see this game. It might not be as quick. It might take Arizona more time. But at worst, I see you know a 28-17 Arizona win. I just can't see Green Bay getting inside this number. So I'm with you on this one. Yeah. Uh, sliding on to the next game. So both of us there, you can mark it down if you're keeping track at home. Both of us are on Arizona as a seven-point favorite at home. This one's very interesting. It's Seattle and Carolina. I'm going to tell you right now, I smell so much fish on this line. Carolina lost one game all season long, and they really put it to some teams, and they passed all kind of tests. Yes, they did lose that one game. I mean, who's looked better than them all season long? And uh, they played this particular team earlier in the season and uh, got themselves a win. And they're playing this game at home. And they're taking on a Seattle team that should have lost their game last week. With all that said, Emil, Carolina Panthers are a two-and-a-half-point favorite when this thing opened at home. If that doesn't send a betting public screaming to the window to go pick Carolina, I don't know what does. Never well, but you're looking at Despite it as that, someone that, line that drop. Yeah, you, you, you're, you're looking at it like someone who understands football. Here, here's how they set that line, if you ask me, psychologically in Vegas. Seattle's become a public team. What I mean by that is they get they get action regardless of how they're playing because they've been to two straight Super Bowls. They've got a dynamic coach that won a couple national championships. He's well known. He, you know he's won Super Bowls. They've got a dynamic quarterback. Okay, they win games. Marshawn Lynch is, is loud. He talks. People know who he is. People see this game the, the public at least, and they look and they say, "Here comes Seattle." They're they're going to Carolina. They open at three. Carolina is this team nobody believes in. I know it's hard for you to understand because you see a fifteen and one team and you realize they're very good. 
The public mm-hmm. doesn't believe in Carolina. So, and it's reflected in the fact this line has moved from two and a half, three points opening down to one. That means people are snapping up Seattle. Um, for Which me, people, I'll tell you straight. You know, explain to the people out there that there are two different people when it comes to this stuff. Well, yeah, sure. You got you got people that are snapping up Seattle very early in this. That at three points, you get a lot of sharps figuring. The, you know, the people in Vegas will put some big bets in, take take the team with pedigree plus three points, figuring, hey, at worst, this might be a three-point game. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'll, I'm going to tip my hand. I'll wait to listen to you. I I like Carolina in this game, and I'm a Seattle, I'm a closet Seattle fan. I just, I, I think what they went through on the road last week was a very tough situation to come back, turn around, and as Sap makes a good point here, somebody doesn't like them getting a one o'clock game because right those early those early games are brutal for West Coast teams. I just think Carolina being disrespected the same way we felt Clemson was in the national championship game, I think they're savvy enough to understand that nobody really believes in them. And uh, sure. I just like and, you know, I try to put a little try to put a little mystery and intrigue into this whole deal. Um I think though at the end of the day, I'm gonna have to fall on your side with this one. Uh, Carolina, at the end of the day, is a damn good football team. Seattle went through some things emotionally there last week, and they're just still missing some parts. I mean, just to even think about where they had to get to to get that thing down to a last-minute kick, uh, you're not going to be able to do that against Carolina. And Carolina walks into this game with a good amount of confidence, you know, the line was fishy, and while I'd like to jump on the other side of that, you know, that Green Bay-Washington line was fishy last week. And if I'd have went on, uh, you know, that that logic there, I'd have taken an L in that one. At the end of the day, I'm going to side with the better team here. You know, as much as I like Seattle, I think this is probably the end of the road for them here in this 2015 NFL season, and Carolina's going to end up winning what I think is going to end up being a better game than people might think. So, I am going to... Oh, no, I, to I don't think this is by any means going to be a... Both of us are on the same team here. I'm going to take Carolina. I don't think this is going to be a blowout by any means. I think this is going to be a good ball game. I just think that in the end, you know, I just kind of like what Cam's done this year, and I feel I feel at this point, you know, he's he's a big game player. I mean, Cam's been a big game player going back to college. I mean... For me, this is the kind of spot he's been waiting for in the NFL, and I just don't think he's going to let it slip through his hands. So I, I just, I'm, I'm going to say something like 27-20. Very good ball game, but I think in the end, Carolina wins it. Yeah, they had a very hard-fought uh, game the first time, and I think they were seeing the same thing. But ultimately, I like Carolina, and if you like Carolina, Carolina at minus one, you got to go with the Panthers for a pick on this one. And then final game, 440 is the kickoff time on Sunday. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Denver Broncos. Uh, I like the Broncos in this one, just coming right out and saying that. So much went on for Pittsburgh last week. Physical game. Emotionally, uh, they went through a lot. It was a division battle. Too much, I think, for them to come back now, head out on the road, out to Denver against a rested team, and be able to pull together enough, muster enough to go and knock off this football team that's going to also be very physical. Denver is going to be a physical team defensively. I just don't know if Pittsburgh can stand up to that right now. I just think it's too much. And while I'm not sure what's going to, what Peyton Manning's going to be able to do, I don't know what Peyton Manning we're getting. I think he's going to be able to do enough against a Pittsburgh defense that has not been stout to uh, get the Broncos to win. And, you know, if we're going off of, 
what we think might happen in that first game. Hey, hey, sorry, folks. We're looking at another Denver Broncos-New England Patriots matchup in uh, the championship game because I like the Broncos in this one. Oh, I'm with you on this. This is a, this is a boring show as far as us disagreeing, but, man, um, this is a game where, I, I mean, if I'm, if I'm betting on this game, I want Ben Roethlisberger to play because I want to keep this line down low. Uh, you know, if, if Landry Jones were ever named a starter, jump to 11 or 12 points. Because I, I really think no matter whether he plays or not, I just think he's in no physical condition to play, and he will get hit in this game. You, you rest assured he'll get hit. So, yeah. Uh, I just don't. I just don't see this as a great spot for the Steelers. The energy expended in Cincinnati. Now you're asking them to go play in altitude in Denver, in a tough place to play. Uh, the Broncos, you know, they they let one slip through their hands last year. I just don't see it this year. I think this is a game where they, just, they, they go out. They had a big lead in Pittsburgh earlier in the season, 27-10 early third quarter, and they kind of fell apart and lost that game, 34-27. I think this time they they, they keep the pedal to the metal. This one could be a blowout. I mean, it could be. It depends what Denver offense shows up. But if the Denver offense shows up, I I think this game could get ugly. Yeah, uh, if I'm talking about things that scare me with this particular contest, though, is that the Pittsburgh Steelers were able to beat the Denver Broncos earlier this year with only 23 rushing yards. That is a little bit scary for me because you have to think Pittsburgh's going to be able to come up with more than 23 yards rushing in this contest. But still, Big Ben's banged up. Uh, he might play in this game. He won't be anywhere near to 100%. I don't think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be able to roll up 354 yards passing as they did uh, in the last matchup. And if they do, it'll be a lot of trying to get back into game-type yards. Uh, I just think Denver gets their measure of revenge with this game now being at home. And that was one of the teams that knocked them off. So, uh, again, we both like Denver in this one. So here's what we got. Here's my picks that are also Amos picks. We li- I like Arizona, minus seven at home. Like Carolina, minus one at home. Denver, minus seven at home. And that's who Amo likes as well. So you got consensus picks if you want to look at this. Well, right you, you know what's funny to me? I sit here and I say most of these things do come back to the the, the, the median, you know, the norm. So you had four dogs, four, uh, four road teams, I should say, win last week. There's probably a, a fairly good probability that if you just blindly took all four home teams this week, you'd win two or three three games anyway. Yeah, you probably got if you just went ahead and did that. If you didn't know anything about the game of football, you'd probably do well to do that. So do we get four home winners after four road winners last week? We'll have to see. I can hardly, I can we we take... have a second before we go off the air. I wanna I wanna talk to you about one thing. I, I wanna roll back to that first game. The more I sit here and we're talking, I'm thinking about this New England game. Here's how I picture people who who want Kansas City to win this game. Because I, I admit I'm not a huge New England fan. I respect their excellence, but um, you're sitting there rooting for the Chiefs, and lo and behold, Brady starts hitting Edelman and Gronkowski slowly moving the ball down the field. They get the lead. Then you got the Chiefs' offense with no outside threats, and and Belichick's figured out how to squeeze them, and they're going nowhere. And you're sitting there all afternoon frustrated. And when the final tally is in, it's 24-10 Patriots. Somehow I have like that kind of feeling. Don't don't ask me why. Just it's just one yeah. of those like. Yeah, that's kind of how those things work. It's going to annoy a hell of a lot of people if that happens. But it is what it is. Sometimes you just got to recognize excellence. People were pissed off on Monday with Alabama winning yet again. But it is what it is. Uh, I tend to tip my hat to that kind of excellence and. 
Brady and Belichick have been doing it for quite some time. Uh, did they do some cheating? Yeah, I guess so. Um, but, hey, they've gotten it done. And here they are once again, possibly on the uh, crest of being in another AFC championship game. Read them and weep, people. That's how we're looking at them. And that's all the time we've got here on this uh, Football Friday edition. We only have a couple more of these Football Fridays left, Emil. Don't mean to make you bring out the box of tissue, but that's what we're dealing with right now. We're, we're nearing the end. <laughs> Don't make me cry. <laughs> yeah, there we are. So, folks, we want you to go out and uh, do what you got to do, but get inside and enjoy these games this weekend. It's a big NFL weekend, so enjoy these matchups as uh, history is being made as it is every year in the NFL. We'd like to uh, thank you all for listening to the show. And as always, if you enjoy the Gridiron Stud Show, tell a friend, the more the merrier. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you guys back on Monday. Look into your eyes again. Can you you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges, step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.